and when we speak about it you know my attention goes to uh, what i read about how in the ancient wisdom tradition drive or motivation is looked at in terms of two basic factors one is that we always strive to move towards something that is pleasant and mm-hmm. we also simultaneously are trying to move away from something that is not pleasant not welcome uh, not comfortable and so this push and pull of trying to move towards something and trying to move away from something sort of drives a whole lot of our behavior Good evening, good afternoon, everybody, from whichever part of the world you're joining. Okay. Nice to see everyone. I'm currently in central Mexico, so I'm happy to be here where I am and also here with all of you. (laughs) And I am in Canada and would be lovely to know where you are joining in from. And how are you feeling today? Bhavin from Mumbai. Welcome, Bhavin. Okay. Los Angeles. Oh, Dav. Hi, Dav. Wanda from Arizona. Wow. The lovely international Italy. Wow, lovely. Yeah, nice to meet everyone here. Busy in a good way, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, that's great. So today you'll be having me and Tracy having and holding a generative conversation on the topic of motivation. And just before... um, you guys joined in, we were thinking that a year back, we used to have these conversations and wonder that, that what would it be like when others get to hear <laughs> what we talk and how we talk? And here we are in conversation yeah. with all of you. So I am quite grateful that you guys are joining us. And um. So Tracy, before we begin our subject, I had a question in my mind. Is that how do we look at motivation? How do we feel and sense? And while we do go on on our chat, I would encourage everybody to please, whatever idea come to you, this question is for you as well as to how do you look at motivation or whenever you hear the word motivation, what comes up for you? Be active, be open, keep sharing with us in the chat box. Yeah, please. 
So, you know, it's interesting as I was reflecting on motivation this morning, I was thinking about intent, you know, and I remember that um, Ram once said something beautiful, like everything arises out of an intent. <laughs> and, and really, when we think about that, that's really intertwined with motivation, right? Everything that we do is towards some sort of motive. There's, there's something underlying, <laughs> whether we're conscious of it or not, you know? Um, so it's just really interesting to kind of reflect on the idea of motivation as something we want to move towards, but also, and that's the way we tend to think about it, but also something that already exists and is already playing out in our every action. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'm just going through the, uh, uh, through the chat box and have all sort of resonating ideas like intrinsic propelling force comes through action, something internally keeps on going. Why do I do what I do? Motivation is drive, having positive mind, mindset, faith, hope. The why within what drives a warm feeling that helps me to want to do more. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a beautiful feeling, that's it. And I see here the why behind the what, which I love as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Why behind the what? Hmm. Okay, so this is more like a thought or an idea. Let's just think a little bit on how do we experience motivation? How do we experience whatever we think is motivation? What happens uh, within us that shows us that, okay, we are experiencing motivation or demotivation, so to say. <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting question. So in a sense, what I'm hearing is like, the motivation's always there, <laughs> but what is our awareness and our experience with it? Yeah. Yeah. Donna is saying you get energized, lucky, Nair says high productivity. Uh, when you're successful in something you're doing, you get motivated. When we taste achievement, we want more. Shift in energy to do something. We're mentally charged. Yeah. Energized, driven, eager. Yes. Hi, Gulam Reza. Uh, Naomi says motivation involves the biological, emotional, social, and cognitive force that activates behavior. Lovely. So... I, I really connect with her, the way the energies, energized um, word is coming up so much because that's how I also feel uh, or experience. It's like sometimes there is something that really pulls me towards it, you know, draws me. And I get drawn to something or when I feel like, okay, yes, let's, there's, there's a lot of energy surging in the body and say okay let's get going and let's keep doing some things and some other times when I'm like laid back feeling like mm, yes there is a lot going on here <laughs> like I've got to-do list I've got tasks to do but I'm like mm, 
No, nothing is happening. So I think that's experiencing lack of motivation or lack of that energy, which would help me go towards a certain direction. And with this, you know, what I found interesting, Tracy, when we were speaking last time, you were speaking something about uh, extrinsic and intrinsic motivations. And I think that would be really good to explore, like what happens with extrinsic and intrinsic motivations. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, you know, when you were when you were talking about to do lists, I was thinking that might be an extrinsic motivation, right? Like when we think about something and we think about checking it off our to do list, <laughs> it becomes about the act of something that's going to happen once it's done <laughs> and 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 be and accomplished, right? Versus the process itself, right? And and of course, we, we, we've talked about this before, but I mean, life involves both. <laughs> if we're, you know, if, if we're existing in the modern world and getting a paycheck or going to school or doing anything that involves some level of, of goal that will result in either a, a reward <laughs> or, or, um, or, um, punishment for last, lack of a better word, right? A loss of something, let's say a gain or a loss, that's maybe that's a better way of phrasing it, then it's going to be an extrinsic motivation. And those are, those are there. But then the intrinsic motivation is the, that connection to like our inner, inner purpose, right? And, And I, and I almost feel like that connection to the, in the moment of something versus the future reward. Yeah, it's interesting because when you were saying that, you know, I immediately went to that carrot and stick (laughs) example or policy or how even as children, you know, children around us, how do we make them do certain things is by this, the same thing like reward, like encouragement, if they've done something and we encourage them for that, they'll be encouraged or motivated eventually to do more. And what that made me think is that this is how we also sort of connect and develop our value systems. Like what are the things we are appreciated or encouraged for? What are the things that we got reprimanded for while we've been growing up? Also sort of, and and what have we seen while growing up? Also sort of create our own inner values uh, in our belief system, which eventually sort of propels us towards that intrinsic motivation and and I'm just trying to understand it a little more like like what purpose both of these sort of serve because sometimes I feel myself even though I know that there are certain things or which are closely connected to my values or my beliefs, but still I do not feel like really taking any action towards those things. <laughs> <laughs> like in that moment, I'm like, mm, there's no drive coming from within. 
and uh, yeah it's 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 an interest, interesting way to look at uh, the extrinsic and intrinsic motivation and i wonder what is happening there when when i'm really not motivated to do anything Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I can connect to that because there's times that I'll, I'll know that, I've just put it in very simple, there's things that I, I genuinely enjoy <laughs> and I know they're good for me and they connect to my values, you know? So like meditating, for example, um, it, it's something that I know, it's an extrinsic and an intrinsic factor for me, right? Like I started meditating because it was a way for me to control my anxiety and, 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 and <laughs> control is an interesting word. Um, it, it was a management tool for me, right? And then it became just a part of my daily life. Um, and, and something that I would find that sometimes even in the morning when I would be thinking to myself, like trying to of the to do list and almost trying to talk myself out of my meditation, I would just find myself sitting up and meditating like it would just it would just be something that would happen <laughs> because it was it was so ingrained in 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 my routine. But it's it's interesting because there are times that like there are times that I've skipped that. Or, you know, walking with my dog and like, I love, I don't just go out to walk my dog to get her exercise and to get me exercise. I love it. Like I love being out in nature, especially when I'm, I'm walking her in this beautiful setting. We get to go to the beach or we go through the forest, right? The whole experience is so beautiful, but, and, 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 and there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a connection to the process while I'm in it, <laughs> but I sometimes still struggle with the, with the motivation to get there in that moment when I'm lying in bed or, <laughs> or thinking of all the other things that I need to do. But I guess what, what's coming to me as I'm processing all of this is that even the, even the connection that we may feel to a particular action in the moment still becomes a little bit extrinsic when it's in the future and not happening right now, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a very, very interesting point. Like, immediately, I'm not able to see it happening. And then it becomes sort of, it doesn't stay intrinsic anymore. Because I want to like, see it happening outside as well. Amazing. Yeah, that, that's a very interesting point to take away. And I'm also paying attention to what Gulam Reza has said in the chat box, which is motivation is often not the reason for doing something. For example, an addicted person who does not become addicted with motivation. Mm -hmm. But passion can be the main factor. Yeah, you know, I'm not necessarily speaking to addiction, but just to what came up for me uh, when I read that connects to something I was thinking, because I've been thinking about contemplating our conversation for a few days, but in a sense, like avoidance is also a motivation, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. I know in the points in my life where I've, I've 
done anything that resembles addiction, <laughs> it's usually in a level of an avoidance of something else. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, I don't want to feel in a certain way. And that's mm -hmm. why I'm driven to go the opposite side. I don't want to feel uh, unease or uncomfort situation, or I don't want to feel the fear, or I don't want to feel the pain. So I'll choose to go the other way. Yeah, that that's that's a beautiful point that avoidance can also be a motivation. And that helps me also think of another idea that sometimes the way we look at and this, it takes me back to my student days when we were doing MBA. So a lot, whole lot of these motivational theories that we heard, read, and one of them was this two-factor theory from Herzberg, which says there are some hygiene and some motivator factors. Like there are some factors which necessarily need to be present. Otherwise, we'll feel demotivated in life. And then there are certain other factors which are motivators. So these are basically studies conducted to see what makes people in workspace be more motivating mm -hmm. and how i am thinking of that idea is there are so many examples in and around our life where people who've had all of these hygiene factors missing in their lives they've lived such adverse lives and they've gone through crisis but still that adversity ended up becoming the great motivation for them. Mm -hmm. It's like, I do not have the congenial healthy living conditions or I do not have money to for education or support around me. So necessarily these factors would be demotivating for majority of us. But even then, you know, what, what really strives, what really propels people to strive and hold that grit and do their best and then become something so in some ways the absence of those factors is also working as a motivation yeah that's that's a beautiful perspective and I think you, I, I know last week, I haven't caught up with the webinar, but the, 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 the topic was from crisis to creation. And essentially that's, that's what that is, right? When you're using, when your crisis becomes a motivating factor for change in your life, even without that awareness of that's what it is, right? Um, wow. And I guess that's when it motivates us to do something different. Hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's like our frame sort of shifts and we're not looking at something in the same manner. So it really doesn't depend as much on what factors are present in our life in a given moment, but how are we looking at them? And are we only looking at them or are we looking beyond them? Like Wanda is saying, factors can be both positive and negative, correct? Yeah, and you know, what 
before we met, we were before we went live, we were talking about this this um, something that I had heard yesterday from a podcast. So it was Joseph Goldstein giving a talk on um, efforting <laughs> in meditation. And he quoted something from the sutras, which is whatever has the nation, the nature to arise will also pass away, right? And so I was thinking about that and how it relates to extrinsic motivation because everything, um, everything will pass. We know <laughs> this too shall pass. Everything will at some point pass. And so when we only have that connection to an extrinsic motive, um, at some point, if we if we haven't connected to it from within, it's no longer going to continue to keep us going, right? And we've seen that. Um, we've seen that when we have these small goals that are linked to certain things, and then, you know, we achieve them, and then we go back to our old ways. Um, and I thinking I was thinking about that in 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 that in that idea of as well sometimes lack or, or crisis or anything like that that motivates us is you hear those stories about people that come from the most extreme circumstances and they're driven to succeed and once they achieve success they're not happy <laughs> right and and so I'm just thinking about that in terms of intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and how if that's all that we see our success being is as something outside of us, then it's always going to be elusive, <laughs> even when we've achieved it. Exactly. And then how long it will sustain and how long it stay? Mm -hmm. Because once you've achieved it, it's over. Like you said, the idea of impermanence and how it plays into our understanding of motivating ourselves or you know so and all of this what we are discussing and this chat conversation which is happening which I'm looking sideways also is uh is sort of Ruta thank you uh for bringing that perspective yeah that's that's correct about the theory that it's when you're looking for being motivated by others and working for others you need hygiene factors it's yeah so that plays well Mm. and Gulam is saying we can motivate or charge when there is little yes mm -hmm. so so if it is really about what we are looking at and how we are paying attention to it I would like to bring in something which I'm, I'm very curious and very interested in the the hierarchy of needs theory of Abraham Maslow that we read. And it's it's a very interesting model and idea. And Tracy, you and I had some conversation around it. And I really want to bring it that how about we just don't look at it like a hierarchy? Because whatever we are discussing right now and whatever people are sharing in the chat box clearly sort of says that it's necessarily not in that level of progression or that level of hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Then how else can we look at these uh, different needs and how they associate to our motivation level or our actions you know, in the moment? Yeah. Yeah, that's, we, we had a great conversation around that and how, um, and I'll find the link to the book and put it in the chat, but there's this amazing book that talks about Maslow's hierarchy and how he never intended it to be a hierarchy. It was actually changed um, 
after uh, to, to do that, to fit some corporate <laughs> structures. Um, and so when we think, when we forget about it being a, a hierarchy and we think about it in terms of our basic needs, and I know we've talked about, I don't know about the hygiene needs off the top of my head, but like we've talked before about self-determination theory, right? And like autonomy, um, um, belonging and competence, right? And when we look at those needs, <laughs> How do they drive us no matter where we are in this so-called hierarchy? Mm. You know? Yeah. And, and how it shows to me is that at any given point of time, whatever choices we need to make, whatever decisions we need to make, all of those needs are present. It's like starting from physiological, emotional, all of those are equally present in the moment. But what is the person currently aware of? Like what is present? What is most prominent is going to make the person take certain actions. And a very interesting idea which was connected to that is that of altruism. And the example which I heard from somewhere, like if, if you're really very, very hungry and it's like maybe you haven't eaten for days and you get a piece of bread, your need is right now to just satisfy your hunger and just to eat it all. And if you come across somebody else who is equally hungry, what would you do? Would you just hide run away and hide that piece of bread and eat it because right now your physiological need is is very very prominent or you will probably share it and when you're sharing it maybe you will not be able to completely satisfy your hunger but there is something more which is happening right now because some some other need than just the physiological need which you, when you become aware of, it elevates you to, uh, to a different kind of action in that given moment. In a way, you are connecting with the other human and in a way, you're also self-actualizing yourself. Although physiologically, you are at, at a completely different level of your need. And those possibilities sort of show it that all kind of needs are equally present in a moment, but how much aware we are to all of those is, is what really makes a difference. Yeah, and you know, it's, it, I'm reflecting on what you said and in a sense, when we, when we, when we choose to share our food, <laughs> let's say that we're altruistic, then that also fulfills that, and, and I said belonging, but it's actually more connection or relatedness that that need is, right? And that that fulfills that need to, to connect, to, to relate, you know, to be more than just ourselves, <laughs> to, to, to have that, um, that relationship with the outside, you, you know, our, our, our outside world and, and, and not just be located in self, but it's still a choice. 
So imagine what happens, you know, you know, as a parent, when you tell your kids, share your toy, share your food, (laughs) that removes the autonomy, right? And when it's no longer a choice, then the sharing becomes more around the should, (laughs) around the rule or what I'm meant to do versus what I'm intrinsically motivated to do. Yes. That's interesting. And wow. And it sort of opens up a very different idea or a very different way of um, parenting or educating or training, so to say, which is like not by instructions, but by putting the people in the situations and letting them feel and sense and letting them develop and grow and understand what is it that they are wanting to experience right now? What is it which is becoming more and more prominent? Me it's a coaching mindset. <laughs> it is a coaching mindset. <laughs> yeah, it's like not that's a beautiful example where you you're not saying your child that you know that okay share your toys or but just say okay fine if you don't want to share okay the other person is not going to play and let them feel that do they want to just be alone or do they really want to be with other people and if in order to gain friendship if they have to part away with something then that's something which is an inherent learning that's going to come to them and they'll be able to understand it yeah lovely and so that sort of brings to me another question and this question is also for the audiences as to what is showing up to you like listening about motivation and how we experience and what are the different factors operating on us at all the times how does this work in the coaching space what can we do with motivation in the coaching spaces or how do we deal with it in our coaching spaces or if you have any experiences that you've had with your clients that you'd like to share please do share Uh, is saying motivation for us is muscle building pills motivated to reach our goal faster some athletes lose muscle faster with the pill Kasser hmm. is saying motivation goes hand in hand with self-worth what hmm. do you think about that Tracy I just popped the name of that book in the chat Motivation goes hand in hand with self-worth. Beautiful. I, I, you know, because we've also spoken about the need to belong starts with belonging, our inner sense of belonging, (laughs) right? And so when we don't have that self-worth, when we have that lack of connection to ourselves, it's going to be very hard to be intrinsically motivated. Mm. How are we going to even know (laughs) what we're inspired to do when we don't have that basic communication, that basic connection with ourselves? Yeah. And it has me thinking about like that, 
when you, we started the conversation, we were talking about that to-do list running through our heads. Like I think of myself, you know, when I'm lying in bed and I'm thinking about all the things that I have to do and sometimes struggling with <laughs> doing any of them. I think I just want to watch Netflix. <laughs> um, uh, it's that connection to me that helps me sort of explore because as long as, even if these are things I love to do, as long as I stay in the realm of should, right? Like I should get up and meditate. I should walk my dog. I should, you know, get this email done or whatever, like write this article. It's, it, it, it's extrinsic, it's out there and it's not, um, it's not being, it, it's not inspiring me in that moment, right? But having that connection, <laughs> um, that sense of self-worth and that sense of connection to me might help me in that moment to kind of evaluate what am I feeling inspired to do right now? And I don't know about you, but I've often made decisions about what is next based on what my energy level is at that moment. And that requires that self-evaluation. And then that also leads me to choice. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. And uh, Gulam Rizai is saying, the reason I became a psychologist was because I kept telling myself I wanted to help others. and that was always my motivation. Mm. Yeah. That is important to the maturity. It can be motivation for many coaches to reach that goal. And that's so true because we, we cannot take it away. Like, you know, extrinsic motivation does work. So it's mm -hmm. like, what is required or what is expected? And if I'm aligned to that idea, then I would be definitely motivated. But if my alignment is more internal and internalized and say that, no, I, I need to look at it and feel it in a certain way, then I would not be that motivated with the extrinsic elements. They would not be the motivators for me. So it, it definitely begins from the self. What is our lens and how are we sort of looking at something? And in the midst of it, I want to ask everybody um, to just contemplate on this one idea. There's one book by Marshall Goldsmith where he writes, it's a famous phrase that says that what got you here mm. will not get you there. So just reflecting on this from, from the angle of from the lens of motivation, how do we look at it? Like what got us here will not get us there. Um, there's, you know, while, while people are, 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 are sharing about that, one thing that came up for me as you were speaking, and I think it connects to this, is when we think about these extrinsic and intrinsic factors, right, and, and the goals that we're motivated towards, which at some point when we talked about in the future, they're always going to be, there's always going to be a level of extrinsic because we're, we are not there yet, right? Where coaching comes in and we talk about the importance of that like 3.3 marker, right? Like what is more meaningful and important to us about the goal? And that's where we're intrinsic. That's where our intrinsic connection is. Yeah. But yeah, the what got you here won't get you there kind of takes the element 
of intention <laughs> and action, I think, towards this future goal. I don't know, sorry, I'm, this is all bubbling up for me and the points aren't right, really connecting, right? But it looks that, that, I think that's really where we come in as coaches. Yeah. <laughs> because if we aren't there yet, there's a reason. <laughs> yeah. And it's like when all of those factors that were important, all of those reasons that really motivated or inspired us to do something are no longer the reasons, what will keep us going? Mm what will keep us stay on the course? Like when we talk about motivation and then the drive and the needs, so needs is, is basically just a sense of lack of something within us, which makes us feel that yes, there is a need emerging. When we do not feel lacking anymore, when we feel fulfilled, Will we stop being active? Will we stop going on the course with the same kind of enthusiasm and energy? What, what will happen then? What would really be driving us is my question. And I feel like, you know, one thing that I have thought about a lot is that I never want to stop learning. <laughs> right? Like there's always going to be something to learn. And we talked about this once when we had the conversation, like there's, it, it, we, we wouldn't even be able to, even if we dedicated all our waking hours, even if we, if we slept to the minimum of possible to reading all the amazing, the great books in the world, we wouldn't have enough time in our lives to do it. <laughs> no matter how long we live, a human life isn't long enough, right? And it's like that with learning and with experience and everything else. So you know, in a, in a sense, like recognizing that there's always going to be a moving target. Hmm. Yeah. Recognizing that the target is always moving and being okay with it because yeah. in, in certain situations, knowing that the target is always moving can be really discouraging that, oh, I would never be enough or I would never be there or I would never be this and instead and then and what you are talking about Tracy is is that sense of amazement and that oh there will always be more to explore oh there will always be more to learn oh there will always be more to strive to or to reach towards that's a completely different uh, inner state of being or lens to look at which is a very joyful exploration. And then that joyful exploration and curiosity, word, Archana, yes, curiosity is, is the driving factor, is the motivator that, okay, I'm curious, what's today gonna be? What today's day is gonna be? Then that's the motivator for us. And that ties in so much to the coaching space. What's that? I'm saying that directly sort of ties to the coaching space. Being yes, curious. the openness and the curiosity for, for not just the coach, but the coachee as well, right? Like <laughs> we're holding that space in the coaching session for this curious, exciting, almost like childlike approach <laughs> 
to future possibilities. Yeah. And when we speak about it, you know, my attention goes to uh, what I read about how in the ancient wisdom tradition, drive or motivation is looked at in terms of two basic factors. One is that we always strive to move towards something that is pleasant. And mm. we also simultaneously are trying to move away from something that is not pleasant, not welcomed, uh, not comfortable. And so this push and pull of trying to move towards something and trying to move away from something sort of drives a whole lot of our behavior. Yeah, and it does. And I think that captures the, the unintentional when, when we're being motivated by something beyond our, when we're not aware of it, <laughs> yeah. then the motivation is going to be that push and pull, right? Like that, that, that clinging or aversion. <laughs> because we both know, Komal, that when we're motivated towards something intrinsically, we actually will bring on discomfort. Yes. Yeah. Then we would be like acknowledging that, yes, it is uncomfortable, but I know that for my further growth, this is the path I need to move towards. This is the path I need to walk at, which is like being okay with um, and not wanting to run away from something. And in that moment, when we are not running away, we are also not running towards something. We're like, in the moment present and say, okay, what needs to happen right now? So in that moment, our question is not of, oh, I want to do this, but okay, what needs to happen? What is required of me? Okay, what do I need to do? And then that's, that's a very different kind of need. And I think that's the space which opens up a path for what we call as self-actualization. Yeah, I love that. What needs to happen? Not what do I want? <laughs> what do I need? It's not even what do I need? It's what needs to happen. Yeah, yeah, and in that moment, somehow, okay, so, and when we say that, the need is still there, but that need is not my need. Like, I am not attached to that need in a, in a certain way or a certain fashion. Yeah. So in a way, it's that non-attachment and it's that almost becoming the observer in that moment to the need. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. So how do we do that? How do we connect that as coaches when we're working with clients that have transactional goals? <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> That's a very good question. Okay. Um, participants, that question is for you. How do we bring that awareness in the space of coaching for our clients? Kosser is saying want implies control and there is much connection to rational and intuitive tendencies. Um, 
would you like to explain it further, Kosser? Aileen is saying, not my need, I'm not attached to it. Love that. Thank you. Any idea, any thoughts? What's coming up to you when you listen that question? Thank you. Thank you, Ellen. Yeah. Keep the intention of the highest good of the client at the fore. Yeah. And that's, that's a great um, observation, Ashlyn. Like, what if transactional goals are what is needed? And you're so right. Like, it's not up for us as coaches to <laughs> judge if a goal is transactional or not. We can get that sense. I mean, we we do, right? But still knowing what we do about, about motivation, um, how do we connect the client or how do we hold the space for the client to connect to what's under that goal? Yeah, exactly. Because the whole idea is for us to just see it for ourselves and explore it in a deeper manner. Mm -hmm. Like Karshna says, letting life to unfold in its own way or to calm the mind to get beyond those to a higher goal. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like just a simple exploration of, okay, what, what is the client's idea? Why is it important for them? Like whatever it is that they want to achieve. And just to let them explore it that, okay, and explore it in its entirety that in order to find, get something or to get somewhere, what is the, it that they are wanting to achieve? What is it that they are afraid uh, if this doesn't happen? And to let them have a whole picture and see that, okay, what are they trying to avoid? What are they trying to attach themselves to? And then, because when we have a complete picture and a complete sense of what's happening with us in the moment, there are more likely chances that we get settled in the space. We can come to that middle space and feel like, okay. Yeah, you know, I love what you, you just said there about the, the fear of what if it doesn't happen. And it brought me to the four questions that we explore in coaching, right? Like what will happen if you achieve this? What won't happen if you achieve this? And then what will and won't happen if you don't, right? Yes. And that that question can, can almost like take us from the sense of thinking of something as far away to feeling the loss of what if it never happens. And that can sometimes help attach to the meaningfulness of the goal. <laughs> and I really love how, and I don't know if you've noticed this in, in when, when we're leading coach training, but that's like, I think sometimes the depth of that 3.3 question isn't always understood right away when we're learning <laughs> to coach. We, we yep. think about it just like, what about this goal is important to you? But it's really important to, to really meaningful to reflect on the fact that that also asks about meaning. What about this is meaningful to you? That takes a, a very different um, level of connection, I think, yeah. to the goal. 
Exactly. And it's more like, not just that that's the only meaning possible to it, but that is the meaning which the client is looking at in the moment. This is their view and vision right now. And I think coaching is also a space for that realization that there could be a much larger, broader vision. So what happens to that meaningfulness once you start to look in a broader and broader vision is it still going to be the same or is it going to change yeah and i think you know that that brings to mind the grow model right because i think the grow has almost been disserviced by <laughs> becoming such a it's such a simple model and 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 we think of it as just like yeah goal reality options way forward or will depending on how how people relate to it but i when you actually read coaching for performance and you read john whitmore he really talks about that goal being this larger most expansive dream vision <laughs> right? Like really exploring the big, huge future vision of the client and then bringing it down into like a a smaller goal. And I think that's something that we want to really remember when we're coaching (laughs) is holding space for that bigger vision and not just getting, you know, kind of like getting excited because we found a goal, (laughs) but where's that goal pointing to, you know, where's it leading? We're, We're remembering the need that we all have to self-actualize as humans. Exactly. And especially and specifically in the same manner about the reality also, what shows to me is that the reality is not where you are or what is happening right now or what you're looking at, but where you think you are. And there's mm. a difference because the I think the key is not just to assess where we are but to come to a realization that we're thinking we are here that we are seeing ourselves to be here in this space we are seeing reality in in some specific way and uh, and I think that awareness is is the key so true and you know like when we think about that that's where we think about in our reality there are blind spots and recently um with a program that we're doing one of the leaders shared something that i think is so powerful that our blind spots also include our strengths (laughs) right we have hidden strengths that we're not aware of and that and because we're not aware they're in our blind spots and that's in our reality So when we're helping explore the reality, we're looking at all of the, like you said, I I love that. Like clients come in, we all come in with this idea of what our reality is. And yet it's so much more. Exactly. (laughs) And that's what we can hold space for in the coaching in, in, you know, when we're coaching. Yeah. And, and it shows to me that if we can just start the exploration from the point of motivation, the current motivation of the client, it gives us a view of what is their perception of their current reality. And when it sort of expands, how 
much more the motivation is going to grow and expand and in, in what different way they'll be sort of uh, motivated towards their goal or whatever decision that they want to make. Yeah, and um, that's where it ties into competence, right? Because we talked about self-determination theory and autonomy and connection and competence. And so as the reality is explored and as we see that there's, you know, strengths that we're not aware of and possibilities already existing within us, <laughs> then there's that feeling of competence that gives that, 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 that further inward push <laughs> towards our, what, you know, towards our, our, our motivation. Hmm. Amazing. So as much as this conversation is interesting to me as always I want to just touch base once with the audience and say what is showing up for you transforming their motivation into realization of that yeah. Yeah. to build new habits there has to be a shift from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence through conscious awareness thank you Rahul yeah so, so what is showing up for you all into what you're listening uh, into this generative conversation that you're a part of? What is showing up? What is coming across to you as that, okay, this is something that I can take away and can experiment with my coaching or with clients? Just a few, few points that you'd like to share because I certainly have got a, a very different perspective, Tracy, from what you'd said that whatever exists in our blind spots is also our reality. And just to hear that is like, yes, yes. So that's that's the part of a complete reality. And yeah. And to know that could really be a huge transformative change and a, and a different level. Okay, I'm not sure if our audience is still reflecting or <laughs> what is happening. <laughs> yeah, I like the, oh, here yourself, self-awareness with mindfulness, beautiful. And that's so true, right? To build new habits, there has to be this shift from unconscious incompetence to um, conscious incompetence through conscious awareness. And then eventually we know all the way to the unconscious competence stage yeah. yeah we'll work on guiding clients to create the story of why they are motivated if they created the story to come back to in the moment they can find a space to decide on what to do next beautiful that's something that i you know and you and i've had these conversations Komal, about like one one of the things that i try to do is connect to my intention which is essentially that motivation in the moment and that's what can keep us going through and and we do that with our clients when we explore what their challenges might be you know as they're developing and they're designing action but also how will they address them and and connecting back to that inner motivating factor mm. is for me anyway the, one of the more powerful ways of being able to address the challenges that i face yeah so it's also like from that self, um, I'm sorry, I've just forgotten the name. What was this three factors theory? Uh, self-determination, self sorry. Yes. 
<laughs> so it's also about trying to understand how they are determining for themselves, like why they are um, sort of looking to achieve something. What is the motivation mm -hmm. factor driving them? And also in what, what way they are motivated, like are they so just by looking at you know what i'm trying to avoid what i'm trying to achieve and are, are they in that that central state where further exploration can happen or are they still to just come to that space where they are open and they're free to explore beyond whatever they are currently looking at i think if we can just stay in that space a little longer with our clients, explore a little deeper, freely, um, without having the need to rush to the, <laughs> to the next questions or next topics. I think that can bring a whole lot of important um, you know, awareness for both the client and for the coach in a conversation or in a session. Yeah. Or was yeah. saying yes in unconscious competence where the individual has enough experience with the skill that he or she can perform is so easily they do it unconsciously. Yeah. I love this. They will work more on the being than on results. Beautiful. Yes. Bring your presence to the conversation, create a sacred space and shine your light into that space. Wow. Yeah, I, you know, you just, what you said, Koma, like stay in that space a little longer with clients. And that just brought to mind, you know, the pause. <laughs> yeah. Right? When we can pause, which I didn't do just there. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's so much more possibility that can be there, right? Like that's that, that's where that, the, how many times have you noticed that like, sometimes as a coach, I've noticed this myself that I'll be pausing to sort of think about, okay, where do we go next? And as I do that, the client just starts bubbling up with more, you know, and so we have to remember our own motivation when we're in coaching, I think, as well. <laughs> are, we, are we just looking at ourselves as being motivated to get to a, a, a successful outcome in our session and forgetting exactly. why we're there? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I'm working towards being appreciated as a good coach and I'm moving to away from being like oh my god lousy coach couldn't even get me my goal by the end of the conversation <laughs> is that my motivation <laughs> or, or just that middle space of oh yes it's it's a joyful space of exploration and let's just stay in it <laughs> and see what shows up yeah that's that's a good point like even before we look at our client's motivation, what is our motivation as a coach in that space? Yeah. Are we sort of, uh, it, it's quite funny. I don't think it happens with quite a lot, but it would be very funny to look, I asked a question and then, yes, that was a good question. And then, oh my God, I don't know what to ask next. Oh my God, that's amazing. Oh my God. So it's like not grounded <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a little bit 
<laughs> fun. <clears throat> good ways of being a little longer with that competency, spending a little more time uh, exploring the motivation with the client and see what shows up. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, yeah, I'm really taking away that idea of like allowing that space to flourish in the, in the conversation, right? Like allowing the, the room for more exploration and looking at my own motivation in the moment <laughs> as a coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Thanks Thank you so much, everybody, for joining with us. Um, and I think somebody asked if this chat is available. I don't know if the chat is saved or not, but the session definitely is recorded and is saved on the YouTube channel. So you can always go back there and uh, have a look again. Yes. And, and if you, before you exit, if you go to the bottom of the chat, it would be the bottom right. There's three dots. You can click on that and save the chat um, and it'll save to your hard drive as well. Oh. I don't know what happens if you're on your phone, but <laughs> yes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's oh, important. Thank, thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you, Komal. Thank you, everyone, for, for being here and contributing so beautifully to the conversation. Yes, absolutely. Thank you all. Have a great day, great night, great afternoon. <laughs> yes. Bye, everyone. Thank Bye. you.